0: 18 plus this is the Greg Peterson experience he was like a god walking amongst mere mortals he had a voice that could make a wolverine purr on v the sports betting network
3: it is our number three of the Greg Peterson experience right here on v the sports betting network and we've got a tremendous hour number three coming up as Albert Wynn you know him better as analytics capper he is going to be joining me and I think that this is going to be a tremendous chat with him because about fifteen minutes he's gonna be joining me. We're gonna be taking a look at some futures both in football along with baseball and gonna be taking a look at what we've all got in terms of this slate, in terms of mostly NFL. Might wind up sprinkling a little bit of college football if he's got anything on the Monday game. I will throw it to him as well as I really don't wind up having anything in terms of Clemson versus George Tech myself, but I've got a lot with regards to the baseball slate. So we're going to be hitting upon a lot of that this hour. And then with the DK and pick that I want to give last hour, I will refresh that in the final hour if you want to missing that. And if you wind up missing anything that winds up going down here at VCNVCN.com vsun, slash podcast. We've got every single hour for you guys up there as well. So you've got all the bases covered. And now time to cover all the bases with regards to Major League Baseball. As how about if we wind up going with this game? nine fifty nine nine sixty on the betting board. It is the San Francisco Giants. They're gonna be on the road. They're gonna be facing off against the LA Dodgers. This is I don't have too many system plays, but this is a little bit of a system play for myself. As you got Logan Webb going for the San Francisco Giants and Andrew Heaney's on the bump for the LA Dodgers. Dodgers between minus two dollars and minus two ten, plus one eighty pretty much across the board is your number on the Giants, with eight and a half being the total line. The system here is that teams coming off of Sunday Night Baseball have been just absolutely terrible. I and mean, you did take a look at it and the last team that wanted coming off of Sunday Night Baseball, hey, they were able to get a win as you were able to see the St. Louis Cardinals take down Chase Anderson and company, but here's what teams coming off of Sunday Night Baseball have done thus far this season. They are 7-15 and straight up after they play on Sunday Night Baseball, and then they wind up playing on Monday. That is horrible, and these are teams that are actually relatively good. This is not like we're talking about Let's throw out there the Oakland A's or we're not talking about the Washington Nationals coming off of Sunday Night Baseball. This is teams like, for example, the Phillies, the White Sox, the Padres, the Yankees, the Dodgers twice I mean, twice. The Dodgers have come off of Sunday Night Baseball and lost to the Pittsburgh Pirates. So that's something that I really do want to take a look at these teams that they come off of Sunday Night Baseball. How? Why? I have no idea. But this has been a thing for a few years, and this year it has really manifested itself. And it's even worse when they wind up going on the road. So that is something to take a look at because teams that wind up playing on the road subsequently at sending and 8 baseball, they're four and eleven straight up. So something that I do think is worth taking a look at. And also take a look at Logan Webb and what he's been able to do thus far this season. His ERA on the road has actually been better this year than it's been in past years. Logan Webb last season wound up having right around a four ERA on the road. And this year it's down to a three twenty-two. And for Logan Webby, he certainly has been giving up the deep ball a little bit more when he has been on the road as he's overall for the season. Giving up 10 home runs, 8 of them have wanted coming on the road, so a little bit of something to note there. But even though his strikeout numbers are down a little bit this season, he's been able to do a relatively solid job being able to hold down the 4 for the San Francisco Giants team. And, and you take a look at the way that he's been able to pitch recently, and it's been very solid ever since the beginning of the month of August as He wound up having a little bit of a rough start, giving up six runs to, ironically enough, the same LA Dodgers team. Last five starts after that, things have been relatively lights out for him, giving up three earned runs or fewer in every one of them. As a matter of fact, five total earned runs over the course of his last five starts. He's been tagged with quite a few unearned runs in this time span, as well as the defense. It has been letting him down, but overall, Logan Webb has been able to do a nice job for this bunch. And then you do take a look at the flip side for the Dodgers and Andrew Heaney has been able to put it together in terms of the strikeout numbers. He's got well over 12 strikeouts per nine innings and at home his ERA is sub a buck 50. Now, if you took a look at the Dodgers and what they wound up doing on Sunday night baseball, they wound up having a bullpen game as Ryan Pepe out they were hoping would be able to give a little bit of length. Only wound up going two innings, but they were able to get the job done. And I do think that that is something that winds up factoring in because if there's one thing that you can't trust with this LA Dodgers team. That'd be that man by the name of Craig Kimbrel as he's been terrible. Now the team did wind up using him, up, but everyone that wanted coming into the bull, it, that er, everyone that wanted coming in from the bullpen, he wound up having the fewest amount of pitches thrown. As it's been guys like the opener in Caleb Ferguson, Alex Visia, Evan Phillips. These have really been your trustworthy guys for the Dodgers. And obviously when it comes to the Dodgers, we've got a whole lot of firepower when it comes to the team as Will Smith, Freddie Freeman, Justin Turner. They're on there, Joey Gallo, Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy. All these guys have at least 15 home runs. Nobody really over 21 home runs. Will Smith, he's in that fold. The guy that has really been able to lead the team in terms of bombs, that would be Mookie Betts. He's been able to slug out over 30 home runs. He's been able to hit a 280, and then you've got Turner and Freeman, who I mentioned a little bit earlier. Both of these guys hang above the 300 for this team. This is a Dodgers team that they're really towards the top of the National League in darn near every offensive category, but... You do have a San Francisco Giants team that they've got functional power. Jack Peterson is really the only guy that has been able to give this team north of 20 home runs this season. But had Wilmer Flores be able to crank out 16 bombs. Both of these guys do a solid job of being move the line as both of these guys are hitting in the neighborhood about a 255 to a 270. You've also been able to have Theria Estrada along Luis Gonzalez, Evan Longoria. These are guys hitting between about a 250 to a 265. So they've done a nice job moving the line on that front the big trepidation that you do have with this Giants team, the bullpen. They do rank in the bottom 10 in the big leagues in terms of the bullpen ERA, and they did wind up using up some of their more trustworthy pieces yesterday as Alex Young, Camelio, Duvall, John Brebbia. All these guys have an ERA of a 304 or better. All these guys did wind up throwing yesterday. So a little bit of an issue here for the San Francisco Giants, but Sunday Night Baseball just seems to take a lot out of these teams. I don't know if it's one of those things in which they build themselves up and then they wind up going down the toilet bowl the next day and they can't recover or something like that. I'm not quite sure, but it certainly has been something that I have noticed quite a bit this season. So I'm going to ride the wave. I'm going to be taking a look at the plus price that I'm going to be getting here with the San Francisco Giants. I do wind up making my total a little bit of an interesting one as well, because I do think that Logan Webb, he's going to be able to do a relatively solid job in this spot. And I do think that Andrew Keeney, he's going to be able to do a nice job as well. So I total on 8.2. So, Going to be looking at the under in the spot as well. And then we take a look at 957, 958 on the betting board. Most places do not wind up having a number quite yet on this game where I sit at Circa. They do though, as got the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're on the road, the facing off against the San Diego Padres as Blake Snell is going to be going for the pods. And Ryan Nelson is going to be making his first start of the season for the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are finding themselves plus 190 underdogs, minus 210 on the circle line here with the San Diego Padres and Total on this game is eight. Now I need at least a plus 188 to take a shot here. So this is pretty much the minimum that be willing to take with the years on the Diamondbacks. But I'm willing to go with Ryan Nelson. Now, the minor league numbers, they are not too good with Ryan Nelson. He was pitching out there for the Reno Aces. So that is a triple A team. Now, it is out there in the PCL. And I do think that when you do take a look at these guys that they wind up making their first start for one, you want to try to see a little bit of their arsenal. Not that they... You need to go through every single Reno Aces game or something of that nature, but you probably want to get a little bit of a feel as to the way that the guy winds up throwing, but you do take a look at our good friend, Mr. Nelson, and he's been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to keep things out in front of him in general, right around three blocks per nine innings, nothing great, nothing terrible. Last season at the minor league level, he was getting 12 punch outs per nine innings. This year, that has been a little bit lower. He has been able to get the team wins, but he does have north of a five ERA, but I do take a look at Blake Snell as well. The four walks per nine innings is still a little bit of a hangup that I have on him. The team wound up starting out one and eight in his first nine starts. They have certainly been able to shape up, but he's actually got a worse home era rather than a road era. And the Arizona Diamondbacks, all of a sudden, they've been able to build up quite a bit of steam. This is the Diamondbacks bunch that they are now seven and two over the course of their last nine games, being able to take series from the Chicago White Sox along with the Milwaukee Brewers. And also, I believe that they wound up winning the Philadelphia Phillies series as well. So. They've been able to play some very good baseball. Diamondbacks have had a problem with regards to their batting average or in the bottom 10 in the big leagues with this regard, but Christian Walker is leading the way with north of 30 home runs this season. He's been hitting above a 260 ever since the all-star break, and it's a Diamondback team that they've been fascinating in terms of their offense because they average right around 1.3 home runs per game on the road compared to at home they wind up getting right around 0.95 home runs per game at home. Not sure why. Arizona, it's not necessarily a hitter's park. It's not necessarily a pitcher's park, but I did find that intriguing. But you do take a look at the Padres bullpen, and they still employ Josh Hader, who's got right around like an 18 ERA ever since he's joined the team. You might think that I'm joking, but I'm really not. Josh Hader has been truly that awful for the San Diego Padres ever since he was acquired. But you do have a few guys like Robert Suarez and Bell Crispman. They've been able to do a relatively solid job, but... The Padres, they had to dive pretty deep into their bullpen as Mike Clevenger did not wind up giving them the start that they were looking for. He wound up only going three and a third inning, so you did wind up having to use up Chris Met. You did wind up having to use up someone like Luis Garcia who's been shaping up a little bit for the team. Steven Wilson had to come out of the bullpen. And for the Padres, they are the fourth worst team in the National League in terms of runs on a per-game basis as the only teams that are worse, they're who you'd expect. The Washington Nationals, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Miami Marlins as the team averages... Right around like 4.8, 4.9 runs per game on the road. At home, it's just been a big giant dud for them as they've been dealing with an injury to Brandon Drury. He wound up getting hit in the head, as a matter of fact, by Dustin May a few days ago in the helmets. uh, And it's kept him out the last few contests. Manny Machado, he's been able to above the 300. He's been able to crank out north of 20 home runs for the team, And you do have Juan Soto, who's been incredible at being able to get on base. He's been able to crank out north of 20 bombs as well, but certainly has been a bit of an issue for the Padres without Brandon Drury, Hassam Kim, He's been able to hit right around a 255 as well, but I do take a look at the Diamondbacks getting pieces around Christian Walker. They pick up Emmanuel Rivera at the trade deadline. He's been able to do a good job of moving the line. Jake McCarthy, he's been able to hit above a 275 for this team, along with Josh Rojas. You've had Keitel Marte, who's been a little bit in and out of the fold. He's been able to help out as well. So I do think that this is a interesting spot as I wind up having my computer saying, what the heck are you doing right there? But, with that said, I do think that this is a spot in which we've got some good value here with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I do not want any part of really either of these teams that they are coming off of Sunday Night Baseball and they're going to be playing on Monday. So it's a circumstance in which I'm going to be taking a look at the price price with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm saying my total at an 8.2 as well. So this is a circumstance where at the 8, I'm going to be taking a look at the over and coming up next, I'm going to be taking a look at... Things with our good friend, the analytics capper, Albert Wynn, next right here on VSIN, the Esports Bank Network.
0: At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. If you dare.
3: Welcome back. This segment of the Greg Peterson Experience is brought to you by Zinn Pouches. Zinn Pouches are a fresher and simpler way to enjoy nicotine that has helped millions of people achieve lasting success by offering a smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. I'm not sure about you, but there have been a lot of times in my life that I know that I needed a little bit of a change. I know that there's many people at Smoke and Dip. You might wind up finding yourself in that same circumstance, and Zinn understands that there isn't one right time to make change. Everyone's on a little bit of a different timeline. Everyone's on their own journey. But if you feel like you're ready to take that first step towards change, Zinn is going to be there for you. Check out Zinn Nicotine Pouches at Zinn.com. That is Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this is a product that contains nicotine and nicotine. It is an addictive chemical. As well, we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience right here on Vsin, the Sports Banking Network. We are working to get Albert Wynn on the horn. He does a great job better known as the Analytics Capra. I know that he's got a few interesting player prop futures as well because something that we've been doing here at v in the last week or so on this show as well is taking a look at a little bit of things from a fantasy perspective and when you're able to take a look at both fantasy football because I know that there's a lot of you guys that you wind up playing out there as well and also winding up turning that into sort of some of your future props as well like odds for player X to wind up getting... 1,000 yards for the season receiving, things of this nature. I always do think that that's a good way of being able to maneuver things as well. And I do think that it is going to be interesting to take a look at some of these guys in general that could wind up being able to lend a little bit of value because a lot of the guys that you wind up finding as sleepers with regards to your fantasy football draft, you might be able to back in terms of this market and vice versa. And I do think that there's just a little bit of value in general when it comes to player props for the season with regards to the under because with regards to a player prop, and I think that this is very important to note, and I do think that this is relatively solidly built into the line, but sometimes I don't think that it's built in enough. Just the fact that in order for a lot of these guys to wind up hitting their player prop, they have to actually stay healthy as well because when you wind up banking on a guy like what's wind up spitballing a name, Rashad Penny. I think that that's a really good one from the Seattle Seahawks. He wound up having a tremendous end to the year last year, but that said, I don't want to be taking an over on any Rashad Penny player props just because I don't know if that guy is going to be staying healthy or not. Like, I mean, you take a look at the odds board. Odds be able to have most rushing yards this season. You're top four. Jonathan Taylor, he's at plus 450. Derrick Henry, he's at plus 650. Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, they're both at 10 to 1. The reason why out of these four is... The reason why out of these four, the one that I like the least is Dalvin Cook is not because I think that Dalvin Cook is the worst running back. As a matter of fact, I think that... If all these guys would wind up staying healthy for the entirety of the season, I would have Dalvin Cook out of Nick Chubb in terms of the odds. But with Dalvin Cook, year in and year out, winds up getting a little bit injured. So I do think that that is something that you do want to be taking a look at in general. I know that with Albert, we're going to be taking a look at a little bit of baseball as well. And it is interesting to be taking a look at the futures market as well as you've got teams that are ascending and declining with regards to just some of these teams that they're finding themselves in interesting races, the AL Central is certainly one to be able to focus in on because with the Chicago White Sox, all of a sudden, and I wanted to pointing this out when I wanted to breaking down their game a few minutes ago between the Seattle Manors, is that just not having Tony La Russa in the dugout in general seems to have just lit a fire underneath the Chicago White Sox. They just seem to be playing with a little bit more, shall we say, valor. They seem to be playing just a little bit better in general and more Shall we say disciplined? And I do think that that has been something that has been really important to take a look at. And when it comes to that AL Central race, I do think that with regards to the Cleveland Guardians, they do wind up still being the team that lends the most value. And they've got an interesting game that is going to be going down for Monday. As you've got the Cleveland Guardians, and they're going to be playing against the Kansas City Royals. This is 973, 974 on the betting board with Tristan McKenzie hitting the bump for the Guardians. And got Brady Singer is going to be on the mound for the Kansas City Royals. And with the Royals, you are finding themselves right around about a plus 110 to a plus 115 underdog meanwhile at the Guardians. They're anywhere between about minus 125 to minus 130 favorites with a total of 7.5, and, and when it comes to Brady Singer, it's been a really good second half of the season from over his last five starts posting up a sub-250 ERA, and this guy has had some incredible performances. Seven scoreless settings against the L.A. Dodgers. He wound up having that performance in which the, I believe the team wound up losing by a count of 1-0, to zero, but he went 7-plus scoreless in Yankee Stadium as well. He's been able to get a little bit over 9 strikeouts per 9 innings, but what has really helped him out this season, he's been able to cut down on the walks. A little bit over 2 walks per 9 innings. Brady Singer has been able to do some of his best work at home as well. A ballpark in Kansas City that I always think that's a little bit more pitcher-friendly. Maybe this is just a little bit of bias from just in a lot of games and noticing that the Royals offensive general just does not wind up having a lot of firepower in general but with Brady Singer he's really been able to do a solid job of be able to rein it in especially at home as overall for the season he's got a home URA that is hovering in the neighborhood of right around about a three-ish so he's been able to do a great job on that front meanwhile more like a three-eight when he has been on the road and been able to do a really good job Just in general, I'll be able to keep guys on base as well when the better strain rates that you're going to find out there. So I do think that Brady Singer, he's going to be able to lend a relatively solid start. And you take a look at Tristan McKenzie, the one trepidation that I've got with him, he gives up the deep ball on the road. Very nearly two home runs per nine innings. You wind up seeing this in a start about a week and a half ago. I remember I was on the over in that spot and he winds up giving up a home run, three runs in total, and then he winds up pitching six scoreless innings. So. Go figure there. This is a circumstance where, with the Guardians having the bullpen that they do, I do think that they're going to be able to do a relatively solid job here, but they wind up having to burn up much of that in their game against the Seattle Mariners. You wind up having that four and a half hour rain delay, so that wind up causing things to be a big, giant calamity. So as a result, this is a spot in which I do wind up lending a little bit of value to the Royals, being able to get north of a plus 110. I'm going to be taking a look at them. Did wind up saying my total is 7.6 as well. I do think that it is important to factor in the bullpen use that we wound up seeing with the Guardian. So I'm going to be taking a look at this total over as well. And we do have Albert online does a great job over there, better known as the analytics capper and Albert. It is great to have you aboard, my friend. Thank you so much.
5: Hi, good morning there. I'm excited to be on. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing great.
3: And Albert, I know that this is a great time of year for you. And I want to mentioning it a little bit earlier in the segment. I know that you've got a lot of player props that you have on up playing for the season. And when it comes to just, Diving into player props, we'll get into some of these specific ones in a minute. How important do you think it is to be able to gauge health with these as well? Because I do feel like a lot of these player props, these season long props that you're able to find at DraftKings list goes on and on. I do think that there's just inherently a little bit of value to the under, just because when it comes to a lot of these players, I mean, you can wind up having these guys play a entirety of the season and it might wind up going under. But if a guy wind up missing, three, four games, their player prop over just becomes in great peril.
5: You're absolutely correct, Greg. I think a lot of these uh, odds makers, they base these numbers on a full 16 or 17 game season. And, you know, playing a full season just doesn't equate to uh, to reality, to, to be honest with you, because there's just so many guys that either get hurt, like you said, injury is always, you know, the number one deciding factor, a variable that's impossible to project or handicap but also just the the season script, right? If if a team is out of it, certain players are going to sit out. If the team is uh, you know way ahead of their competition, certain players are going to sit out. So it's hard to always be in the middle. It's hard to always project 17 wins or 17 full games played. So you're correct again. Like I lean the under on all of these player props that we're about to get to, and I've always been that way.
3: I absolutely love it. We're in locks up there, and. Even if this guy does wind up playing the full 17 games, I don't know if he winds up going over. As I know that you've got Josh Jacobs in a lot of books, I'm seeing his player prop in terms of rushing yards for the season, right around 750 and a half. And I thought it was very curious the way that the Raiders wound up utilizing their running backs during the preseason. I think that it was very telling that he was like the lone guy that you recognize that was out there for that Hall of Fame game as well. Take me through just what you're expecting out of Josh Jacobs and that really Raiders running back core in general because i'm pretty bearish on josh jacobs myself
5: yeah josh jacobs under seven 750 yards um you're right hall of fame game was weird he we all expected one maybe two offensive possessions he ended up playing like the entire half but we saw that you know these are two running backs that are trending in opposite directions judge it josh jacobs in my opinion is still is still pretty solid a, a decent nfl running back but we have a guy that they drafted in Zamir White, who has a lot of juice. He has a lot of explosiveness that I think they're going to take advantage of throughout the season. Um, but really, I'm, I'm just looking at this team from a game script perspective. I don't think they play any defense. I think they're going to play from behind a ton this season, which is why we, we mentioned this in the past, which is why I like Derek Carr in, in terms of passing yards. But when it comes to the rushing yards, I love this under... There's also players that are, there's just a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, weapons, right? So there's only one, one football to really spread the weapons around with Devante, uh, Hunter Waller. Again, they're going to play from behind a ton. So I like this under a lot. And, and I think it's going to be one of my favorite par- uh, props all season long.
3: I think that it's going to be one that I think it winds up hitting as well. I do think that the Raiders, they're going to be passing the ball all over the yard ER because they're playing out there in an AFC West in which you've got so many great quarterbacks. I mean, when you wind up hearing rumors that Derek Carr might wind up being the worst quarterback in a division, you know that it's a relatively mm. loaded division. And we've got a loaded next segment of the Greg Peterson experience coming up next. As Albert Wynn is going to be sticking with me, we're going to be diving into a few more player props. And we're going to be diving into a few NFL picks for week one as that is now upon us. And that comes your way next right here on the Greg Peterson experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: On V-SIN, the sports betting network.
3: It is football season, and betters know that this is when the money is made. Nobody knows football like Veasan, and now is the time to become a Veasan subscriber and get our comprehensive college and pro guides. Only Veasan subscribers get all the tools to prepare for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every single team with advanced stats, power rankings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, player awards, and so much more. Sign up early and for a discount of $175, you get both guides and full access to VEASAN all the way through the Super Bowl. Or for just $40 a month, see everything that VEASAN has to offer to up your sports betting game. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become a part of the Sports Betting Network. As we are back here on the Greg Peterson Experience and being joined by Albert Wynn. You know him better as analytics capper. And Albert, we were taking a look at a few player props a little bit earlier, but take me through the player prop on A.J. Brown. One of the bigger offseason acquisitions, the Philadelphia Eagles wind up getting him on draft night, and I feel like a lot of people wind up having their outlook of the Eagles change a little bit more by this, but it seems like you don't necessarily think that this is going to be as impactful as a lot of people have made it out to be, and I agree with you on this.
5: Yeah, we went earlier on an under with Josh Jacobs. I'm going to go with an under with A.J. Brown. I think he's still a very, very great talent. I think he's only 25, 26 years old, which is insane because it seems like he's been in the NFL for forever. It was a great move for the Eagles. I do think they take that division. But the under 1,025 and a half yards receiving, I love for for a variety of reasons. Three, uh, the first reason is they have three awesome, in my opinion, Uh, service-all wide receivers um, that that are going to be playing with by him, right? So Devontae Smith last year, coming off a rookie season, I think he's going to up his production going to year two. Quez Watkins, Zach Pascal, which is two really good, um, you know, serviceable veterans. They have Dallas Garter at tight end, who is quasi a wide receiver himself. And then they have some talent on the ground in the backfield, right? Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell. And the Steelers, if you guys remember from last season, they were the better team in the second half of the season when they were focused on their rushing game. So I think they're going to get Miles Sanders, and Kenneth Gainwell, the ball a ton throughout the year. And don't forget, it's still Jalen Hurts at quarterback. I don't think he's going to be able to get three, 4,000, three or 4,000 yards passing, which would require that to hit for A.J. Brown's number to hit. So I like the under. A.J. Brown's receiving yards for all those reasons.
3: And ironically enough, he is going to be playing in this week one game, which I know you've got a little bit of position on as well. Eagles and the Lions, the Lions, right now we're finding them as a four-point underdog. Totals varying a little bit. DraftKings is the high water mark at a 49. I'm seeing as low as a 48 with some 48 and a halfs in between there as well. Take me through this one because I do think that it's an interesting spot because you've got a lot of people. I've jumped on the Philadelphia Eagles bandwagon, but at the same time, with what we've been seeing on hard knocks and Matt Campbell talking about biting kneecaps and everything like that. We've seen a little bit of support for the lions as well. Where do you wind up standing? Because it feels like the public, they have really been able to embrace both of these teams here in the off season.
5: Yeah. I think you you hit it right on the nose there. I'm going to fade the Philadelphia off season news, right? I think it was, you know, there were great moves, you know, draft trades. The draft was awesome for the Philly Philadelphia Eagles. I think it's going to be a weak division again. So I do think they're going to take the division and and jump, leapfrog over Dallas. But in this particular game, I think with all the new pieces coming in, I think that's going to have Philadelphia struggle in the first couple games. And they are on the road. We know Detroit last year was a horrible team, but they were amazing against the spread. I think they were one of our favorite teams when it comes to betters and, and NFL people who just, you know, are inside information when it comes to... Uh, Uh, betting the NFL that the Lions, even though they lost, they just knew how to cover. I think they're going to have another pretty good offense again with Jared Goff uh, at the helm. I think they're going to be able to run up and down in that dome. So I think it's going to be a fast track and I think that's going to keep the Detroit Lions in it. So I love the Lions plus four in this game. Yep. I do think that
3: it's going to be a great game to be able to lead off the season. I do think that the Lions, they're going to continue to be pesky. I don't know if I would want them to be able to win this game outright because it felt like the Lions, they made like your buddy at the bar. They were able to make good attempts. They were able to get close. They couldn't close, though. So that's a little bit of trepidation outright, but I do think that they're going to be able to keep this game relatively close. And then this is another underdog they're going to be taking a look at as we've got the Tennessee Titans. They are going to be right around about six or so point favorites against the New York Giants. I do think that this is an interesting spot in which you've got a Titans team that, A lot of people have been a little bit down on them in the offseason. We really did wind up seeing that futures market shift towards the Indianapolis Colts to be able to win that division. And, I mean, I'm one of those people. I do like the Indianapolis Colts to be able to win that division. The Titans, it felt like they wound up getting a little bit of good fortune for them towards back half of the season. Take me through this for a little bit of a new-look Giants team on the sidelines.
5: Yeah, Greg, the more you talk to me, you're going to realize I love unders and I love underdogs. Um, I just love finding the value in, in both of those Uh, you know, betting angles. In this particular game, from a talent standpoint, I don't think there's a big discrepancy. Six points between these two, I think it's a little obnoxious. I think that's more of respect for the Tennessee Titans, because a lot of people don't remember they did finish as the number one overall seed in the AFC last year. Um, But there's a big regression coming up. I know Derrick Henry is back, and it should be healthy. Um, But there's so many miles on his, you know, on his body, on his legs, and I think it's going to really catch up to him this year. And the Giants, I know they're going through a transition. I guess this transition has lasted for about a decade, Greg, but there's a lot of talent on this team. I would say high-level talent. The depth is where it hurts. And I think because of that, they're probably going to lose this game, but I love this number at plus six. If this was plus seven, if this was a full touchdown, I think I would side with the Titans. Because I think that would mean odds makers believe it would be a blowout. but plus six is just tasty enough for me to to really go for it. So I do like the Giants. I do think Daniel Jones are, is going to go out there to prize some people. I remember he does have legs. He is healthy. And if they get one or two touchdowns in that first half, they might go into halftime with a lead. That's an opportunity for you to middle at that point.
3: And I think it's going to be very curious to see what Brian Dable is able to do with this offense as well as. We saw the great work that he wound him doing as an assistant. We shall see if he's able to do it as the head man, and we shall see if we're going to be able to see one of the better rookie seasons that we've ever seen for a wide receiver, Fester in year number two as Jamar Chase. I know that his season-long total is right around 1,250-ish yards receiving, and I know that this is a spot in which you're going to be taking a look at a little bit of an under in terms of his full season prop as well.
5: Yeah, I like the under again. Again, we're focused on unders and underdogs tonight, Greg. But Jamar Chase, one of the better talents in the entire league, not only at the wide receiver position but just uh, the entire football team in general. And I think when you know he was teamed up with Jeff- Justin Jefferson in LSU, I think you saw a one A one B combination. So I do think you know from a talent standpoint, he's still going to be the number one receiver in Cincinnati. But I think there's just so many. Uh, weapons there and we saw the emergence of T Higgins in the playoffs um or heading into the playoffs and then we saw it really come into fruition in the playoffs for Joe Burrow. He started leaning on T Higgins as well. They still have Tyler Boyd who is arguably you know the best number three receiver in the NFL, Hayden Hurst. And then they have two awesome talents in the in the backfield uh running the ball. So you have Joe Mixon who's gonna be your cash cow. He's on everybody's fantasy team, but don't sleep on Samaj P. Ryan as well. Who is very, very talented, and I think he's going to be able to uh, be the lightning to you know Joe Mixon's thunder. So I think the Bengals are being slept on, to be honest, and I think they are going to have a legitimate shot to get back to the Super Bowl in the AFC. But for for them to do that, they got to be a balanced team. They can't lean on only Jamar Chase. and spread the ball around and run the ball, and kind of lean on a very improved defense heading into the season. So for those reasons, under. 1,250 yards for Jamar Chase is another read that I'm looking at.
3: Albert, you'd mentioned it. You like unders and you like underdogs. We have yet to complete the cycle, so we need to do it right now. We've taken a look at full game underdogs. We've taken a look at guys under for their season props. How about if we wanted to take a look at a full game under when it comes to week one? I know that you're looking at the one in Sunday Night Football, and Mark agrees with you. This is a game between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys in which the opening number was 51.5 on this total. Most places I'm seeing this get down to a 50. You might be able to find a stray 50 and a half out there as well, but take me through this one because I know that you're on the under in this week one matchup.
5: Yeah, it'll be really quick here, Greg. I got this at the opening number at 51 and a half, but I still like it all the way down to 50. Uh, there's a lot of question marks on both teams on the offensive line, right? We have Tyron Smith, who's out for the Cowboys. We have a couple interior linemen that's out for Tampa Bay. It's Sunday night. It's two marquee games, especially with Tom Brady headlining the affair, which means I love fading the public. The public's going to be hammering the, the the favorite as well as the over- as they chase for that last game, that last game of the weekend to try to make their money back. Um so I, I love this under. Um I, you know, I'm here in Dallas, so I kind of follow the Cowboys really closely. I think they're gonna come out and really try to run the ball with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. A lot of people don't for, don't forget Amari Cooper is out for the Cowboys. Um Michael Gallup is still hurt for the Cowboys. There's a lot of question marks when it comes to their outside weapons. And I think they're gonna try to control the ball and uh, keep the score close. So I like the under here, all the way down to 50.
3: There are question marks when it comes to the offense. There's no question marks when it comes to you, Albert. Thank you so much for joining (laughs) me and lending all the insights leading up
5: to week one. Thank you so much, Greg. Um, Like I said, I'll be in Vegas next week. Hopefully we can meet up for a couple drinks.
3: Absolutely, and coming up in the final segment, we take a look at some MLBs action for Monday right here on vSIMP, the Sports Bank Network.
4: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're experiencing
0: Hoops Peterson himself on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: This is the final segment of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, and Here in the final segment, we're going to try to cash for you as many winners as humanly possible for this Monday. Coming up after myself, 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. It is Mitch and Polly with Follow the Money. They've got you covered on what was a rambunctious weekend of college football. Turning forward, take a look to see what we're going to be getting this week in the NFL as well. So they've got you guys handled and it is going to be an absolutely tremendous football season. We have just gotten started and the next time we wind up having a weekend without football, it is going to be February. and At that time, I'll be hard at work doing college basketball, so we can all be fired up about that. And for those of you guys who are VSIN subscribers, you wind up getting our pro tips every single day, and you get 20 throughout the day as you go to VSIN.com slash subscribe to be able to get all that great information. These are sorted by show. These are sorted by sport. And here's one that I'm going to give you for this hours so I wind up hitting up on. Both of the teams that are going to be playing on Monday after they wind up playing on Sunday Night Baseball. Teams coming off of Sunday Night Baseball and playing on Monday, they are 7-15 this season. I do think that this is something that you want to be taking a look into. It's a little bit of a stranger trend, and I'm not necessarily too much of a systems guy myself, but it's the one that I've just noticed for many, many years. Every one of these teams that they wind up coming off of Sunday Night Baseball, They just wind up going down the toilet bowl on Monday before things wind up rebounding and they wind up returning to normal. How? Why? I do not know, but it certainly has been a profitable trend to wind up taking a look at, but hopefully we can be profitable with this. As my DK Nation write-up, it's going to be a little bit of an early one. This game has a first pitch time of 10.05 a.m. Pacific, 1.05 p.m. Eastern. 961, 962 on the board. It is the Minnesota Twins. They're in the road facing off against the New York Yankees. as Jameis and Going to be going for the Yankees, and Chris Archer is on the bump for Minnesota. This is a total that started out at 7.5. It is now up to an eighth, and with the Yankees, they are between minus 175 and minus 160 favorites, so a little bit of a range error, anywhere between plus 145 to plus 160. Going to be your number on Minnesota, and my write-up is going to be based around the over. Now, with the New York Yankees, it certainly was not the world's greatest series for them out there in Tampa Bay going up against the Rays as I believe that they wanted up scoring three runs in their final two games, pretty much all of them courtesy of Aaron Judge because he has been absolutely incredible this season, but when it comes to this Yankees team, they just wind up firing all cylinders when they're at home. They're averaging right around 1.7 home runs and five runs per game. Both of those numbers lead the American League, the home runs per game. They wind up leading all of baseball home and road and especially at home, so that winds up being able to help them out, and this is a Minnesota twin staff that they've had a tough time pitching on the road. They've got the second worst ERA in the American League on the road. Second only to Kansas City Royals and the Royals. It's not been going well for them. And Chris Archer, it's not been going great for him either. He's made 23 starts this season. He has yet to exceed five innings in a start all season, posting up a 4.87 ERA on the road with 1.6 home runs per nine innings. Surrendered on the road, home and road, 4.2 walks per nine innings. It just hasn't been too terrific. And those walks could be exactly what the Yankees need to get going as You've got Aaron Judge, Sean Carlos Stanton, Josh Donaldson, all these guys hanging between about a 210 to a 220, but all these guys do a relatively solid job of be able to get on base. They all have north of a 300 on base percentage. As we all know, Aaron Judge, he's got 53 home runs. This guy's the odds-on favorite to be able to win American League MVP, and he's going to do so unless if we wind up seeing something completely harebrained happen, and he winds up testing positive for three different types of anabolic steroids and a low-grade beaver tranquilizer. This guy has the MVP one, but... With that said, when it comes to the flip side for the Minnesota Twins, they are dealing with a couple of ailments of their own. Byron Buxton, he's currently out of the fourth. He's the leader in home runs for this Minnesota Twins team. Orne Polanco is sort of day-to-day right now. Would be a little bit surprised if he winds up playing. If he does wind up playing, would be a little bit of a booster because he's really been number two in terms of home runs for the team. He and Carlos Correa have both been able to supply 16 home runs, but with Correa, he wound up being able to go deep in the team's win on Sunday against the Chicago White Sox. And Overall, you've got a Minnesota Twins team that they do a tremendous job of being able to move the line. Luis Arias, he's been able to hit 3-17 for this bunch, and I mentioned Correa. He, Gio Urshela, Kyle Garlick, Jose Miranda, throwing their Nick Gordon, all these guys. between about a 265 to a 275. Gilberto Cesestino, he's been able to do a nice job hitting right around about a 250 as well. This is just a team that top to bottom. They've got a lot of guys that are able to do a solid job being able to get on base. They don't have as much power with Byron Bucks and out of the fold, but you wind up playing at Yankee Stadium and balls that typically wind up dying at the warning track. They do wind up going out. And this is a twin team that they play at one of the more pitcher-friendly ballparks in baseball, which that does wind up throwing off their home run numbers a little bit as well. So I do think that that is going to be able to aid them now with the New York Yankees. This has been one of the better bullpens out there in the big leagues. As guys like Ron Marinacchio, Wandy Peralta able to throw in there, Clay Holmes, who he wound up allowing a run on Sunday, but these are all guys that are providing a sub-3 ERA for the team. Lucas Lukey is someone that I do like, and Lou Trevino, they did wind up using up on Sunday. He's got a sub-2 ERA since he's come over to the Yankees as well, but James Satayan is a little bit less than trustworthy. He wanted making six months or six starts in the month of August, and he wanted giving up three-plus runs in four of them, and overall, last 13 starts, he's given up 16 home runs at a little bit over 65 innings, and He has also been posting up a 535 ERA in that time span as well. Seven out of his last 10 starts have wound up going over the total. So, team is providing him with a lot of support. He's given up quite a few runs as well. So, I do think that this is going to be another high-scoring game out there in Yankee Stadium. My Nikkei Nation write-up is going to be on the over. And I do think that the Yankees wind up bouncing back a little bit here. It is a Minnesota Twins bullpen that they wind up having to use up. Johan Dern, who I would say is their best bullpen piece. He's been posting up right around two ERA. Among relief pitchers, he leads the league and pitches throwing at 100-plus miles per hour. Now you're left with guys like an Emilio Pagan, who you don't want to be trusting in. I will say someone like Giovanni Morin has been relatively solid for this Twins bullpen. But they're about a league-average bullpen, nothing great, nothing terrible. And for the Yankees, I needed at least even money to take a look at them on the run line. Set them more around a minus 185 on the money line, getting a plus 115 on the run line. That's calling my name. I'm going to look to take the plus price here, getting the Yankees on the run line. My write-up for DK Nation, it is going to be on the over as well. So that's what we've got in terms of that. And now let's take a look at a game that's going to be going down a little bit later that I like the total in the opposite direction. 975, 976 on the board. It is the Detroit Tigers. They're on the road facing off against the LA Angels as Jose Suarez is going to be getting the start for the Angels. And Tyler Alexander is on the bump. For the Tigers, Tigers between plus 155 and plus 167 underdogs, minus 182, minus 185 is your number on the Angels with the total at 8.5. And, and for the Detroit Tigers, they are right now dead last in the American League in terms of runs per game scored. It has been a very sad effort for them to say the least as you've just got so many guys that they just can't wind up getting out of their own way. Now, I will say Miguel Cabrera, he able to do a relatively okay job of being able to get on base move the line, but you've got Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Spencer Torkelson, Tucker Barnhart, Akil Badu, Cody Clements. Need I go down the list of guys hitting at 220 or lower for the team. They are dead last in the league in terms of home runs per game. As a matter of fact, the Detroit Tigers team has fewer home runs than Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo does as a duo. So, that's how bad it's been for the Minnesota or for the Detroit Tigers this season. And Jose Suarez under the radar has really been able to provide some nice performances. He's five and six with a four ten ERA. So you're thinking, yeah, relatively average pitcher here for the LA angels, but you take a look at what he's been able to do over his last, we're going to call it four starts right around about a three ERA, giving up two home runs over the course of 23 and two thirds innings. So he's been able to come out and he's been able to do a very solid job here for the LA angels. After you wound up having a relatively rocky start to the season It's been a little bit worse at home rather than on the road. 454 home ERA, 366 road ERA, but has really been able to do a good job of being able to induce some swings and misses recently as well. He's got a strikeouts per nine rate over the course of his last four serves, a little bit north of nine. The LA Angels bullpen, it's not necessarily great, but they found a couple young guys that are able to provide for them. Someone like Jose Quijada, Andrew Watts, these guys providing a sub 3-5 ERA after you wind up having Ryan Tepera and Aaron Lupe, a little bit of Bus Rooney for the Seaman. with the Detroit Tigers, they've got a bullpen ERA that ranks in the top 10 in the big leagues as well. Tyler Alexander has been a little bit hit or miss for him. He has been giving up the deep ball a little bit, so that has been an issue for him. But when you've got guys like Jose Cicero, Joey Jimenez, Andrew Chafin providing... A sub 3-3 ERA that does wind up helping for Alexander. He has given up three runs or fewer right now, four out of his last five starts. Length has been a little bit iffy with him, and he has given up at least one home run in each out of his last four starts that has wound up nipping him in the butt a little bit, but he's only given up right around two walks per nine innings when it comes to what he's been able to do on the road. Has been a little bit nightmarish, 6.51 roadier compared to a 3.57 home ERA, but I do think that he's going to be able to do a little bit of better job against an Angels team that, after Mike Trout and Choi Otani pair of guys, they will give you right around 60 home runs as a collective of the season, as a matter of fact, 59. We've got guys like Kurt Suzuki, along with someone like an Andrew Velasquez, Joe Adele, these guys they're earning a 225 or lower, and we laid it out with the Detroit Tigers. You're just not getting any offensive production whatsoever. It is also going to be a nighttime game out there in Los Angeles. Typically with these West Coast ballparks, the ball just does not wind up flying as much. And even when things are ideal for the Detroit Tigers, they aren't able to generate the home run power that they need. In general, I do think that the Detroit Tigers are going to be able to lend them a relatively solid shot here as well. I do think that Alexander is going to be able to do a little bit of better job keeping the ball in the yard needed at least a plus 165 it should be able to take a shot we have gotten there with regards to the plus price so i'm going to be taking a look at the detroit tigers that might total closer to a seven and a half so going to be taking a look at the under as well and folks we've got football every single weekend all the way until february so enjoy it while it lasts and something else you should enjoy 4 a.m pacific 7 a.m eastern All the money is coming your way right here on vson esports bank network
0: If you dare.